Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. This is episode six, and today we are talking about um, the holidays and the stresses of the holidays and kind of supporting our recovering loved ones through the holidays and taking care of ourselves as well. Yep. So why don't we kind of jump in and talk about why the holidays can be triggering for some of the addicts? Yeah, Um, well, I think that holidays can be triggering in general even if you aren't an addict or in recovery or have a loved one who's in recovery Mm -hmm. Um, I think the holidays people put a lot of stress on things being perfect or looking a certain way Um, you have to you know make sure that you're seeing everybody and you're spending a lot of money and all of those things that I that just think are naturally stressful. Yeah. Um, and then you add on someone who's in early recovery or just trying to maintain their sobriety. Um, and I think it just adds to the stress. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, yeah, these are stressful times for everyone. And then um, the having someone and trying also trying to figure out kind of what life looks like sober is can be challenging at this time but it always seems like we have I mean I think this is a good good top a good conversation to have on the podcast because I feel like every year in the family meeting this is a big topic like people are yes really thinking about kind of how to prepare and all that stuff as it as they kind of as we lead up to the holidays so I think this is a good conversation to have um, yeah, there's a lot of parties around the holidays, and so even just that alone can mm-hmm. be very, I don't want to say yeah. triggering to addicts. Yeah, yeah. That's true, and it creates some anxiety of just how do you address the situation. Um, I remember when Jake first got clean, so he was maybe three, three, four months sober at this point. And it, so it was our first Christmas when he was in recovery and I had um, my work holiday party. And I just remember, I think I felt more anxious than he did even where I was just so nervous of like, oh, these are all these people I work with. Yeah. You know, are they going to wonder why we're not drinking or like, is somebody going to ask the question and then how do we answer and is it going to get weird? And I just remember having so much anxiety around that of like what are people going to think Mm -hmm. um which is something I struggle with in general just like judgment of others Mm -hmm. um so it was really heightened um but then it turned out we were there and literally everyone is so busy like worrying about themselves and having a good time that the question never came up at all and so I had done all of this worrying about it basically for no reason and it was kind of a, a good reminder that you know people are thinking less about us 
than we think they are. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I agree. I know personally myself, even though Steve is uh, four years out, is whenever we go to at least my company holiday parties, I am very quick to when someone says, hey, can I get you a drink to Steve? I will very quickly jump in and say, he's my DD. You better only get him a Sprite before <laughs> before anything even happens. And I, I wish I was. It makes me very uncomfortable. Interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. So the holidays for me, I, I think I have a, a little bit of a different take because my husband, Charlie, he, he like all of his relapses, it seems like, happen right in the like the November December time frame for whatever reason so he also has anxiety and depression and suffers from seasonal depression and so it's just like the winter time in general like the days are getting shorter it's darker it's colder and that's just always been like his time to use so the hol- it's not necessarily that like the holidays are his trigger but for me it's just like I just dread the last two months of the year because I just don't know like how he's going to do or how it'll go. So that's like just this time in general. I think that adds an extra layer of stress for me for sure. On top of like, you know, all the family commitments and and things like that, that this is a time when I just know like he's extra susceptible to, to relapse. So um, one of the things we wanted to talk about today, which I can kind of go into is kind of how to like relapse prevention talk a little bit about that i think when this topic comes up in the family group that those meetings i think a lot of times we talk about how do you kind of support someone and and encourage them to have a plan to prevent these triggers from resulting in a relapse yeah yeah that kind of what we want to talk about yeah Yeah. so what are some of the things that you and charlie have started doing to help with like the seasonal depression and Mm -hmm. have you noticed things that work so every year he makes a plan starting in like august (laughs) and um last year he talked to like his his um regular doctors and he upped his started progressively upping like his depression meds in the fall to Mm -hmm. to help so that that happened last year and it worked for a while but he did end up relapsing last year so um I mean, I don't know how much it actually, I mean, it didn't prevent a relapse. So, but it was something that he tried. Um, another thing is like he, he started, he works out like that's something that he does year round, but just making sure he's staying very consistent with his workouts and, and making sure that he, you know, just like sweating and kind of getting your, all of your endorphins up and things like that, that helps him in the, in the fall, he starts using a tanning bed so like he had one of those like um lights i don't know what they're called oh yeah but but the tanning bed does the same thing yeah and it's just like exposure to light but so he he'll like the gym that he goes to has like a tanning bed you can use so he'll do that occasionally to kind of help but those are the real things like for the those are like the biggest things just specifically for the depression that he's tried um Mm -hmm. Last year we did, he took a trip, he went to Florida and spent a week in Florida, like with his, his old sponsor. And that ended up actually, I think the rebound, that was, that was an attempt at, you know, getting some sunshine and kind of refreshing from 
you know, the winter. But when he came oh, back, yeah. he kind of rebounded and had like a bad depression. Um, oh. So that didn't work. It's just been a lot of trial and error with things. But yeah, I think something you said, um, you were talking about working out and how that's like just always part of his routine. Mm-hmm. I think um, just for recovery in general, and especially around the holidays, it's helpful if you can try to maintain a routine. And I think that's something that can be hard to do. Um, but like trying to still fit in your meetings, like around family events and things. And that was something that Jake and I were on the same page about. And I was like always very supportive of, Hey, if you have to go to a meeting and we're going to be late to a family event or whatever, like that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I, I would rather that happen than, you know, you miss meetings and you relapse. And I think part of that is just changing the mind. I don't know, changing the mindset of being accepting that, you know, meetings and things like that have to come first. I think we talked about this recently of like recovery becomes the priority. And I think maybe family members or even friends who don't have a loved one in recovery might not understand that where they could be like, oh, you guys aren't coming to this. You're going to be late. And it could be easy to start on our end feeling some like guilt about that. But just, I don't know, remembering that the recovery part is the priority. And without that, we couldn't do any of the other things that we wanted to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that's very difficult for me because I am a very punctual person. I want to be on time you know, all this kind of stuff. So I agree that I have also would rather Steve go to a meeting than being, you know, relapsed. So a lot of times, you know, if we get in that situation where it's like, hey, you need to go to a meeting, like I'll drive separate so that I can go, even if I've got to take the two kids by myself, because like, it's just so it makes, it gives me a lot of anxiety to not be on time somewhere. I know oh, yeah. comfortable. Like, I feel like I'm disrespecting people. And so, again, that's kind of just a shift in mindset that I have to be mindful that his recovery comes first and it doesn't matter if I'm late for a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I think that's a good example of compromise. And actually, a lot of times Jake and I would drive separate anyway, just in case it was like we were in a situation where maybe he felt like uncomfortable and needed to leave early or felt like he needed to get to a meeting or wanted to go meet up with a sponsor or something like that. Um, I think having the two cars is kind of a, a nice way to have like an exit plan anyway. I, I agree. I don't have a party story for that, but we did go to a friend's wedding. Um, it was a six hour drive away and we all, they just rented a big cabin and, um, couple got married it was basically just 60 people all just getting super wasted it was I think he was only four months into recovery at this point and everybody was just getting so drunk and at eight o'clock nine o'clock he was like I have to go to bed and I was like why you know blah 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 he's like I just need to go to bed and I didn't understand at the time so I just kept partying and I think I'd even called both of you and were freaking out that he was going to relapse when we were six hours away xyz mm-hmm. um, but he went to bed and he did the you know right thing that he just removed himself from the situation and then I got 
um, really super drunk. And I remember crawling in bed and I felt so guilty for being laying drunk next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever feel that way of when you like, I just felt, I don't even know how I felt. It was just a weird feeling. Like he can't drink, like he wasn't, he couldn't be joining in the fun, but I, I think the mind shift, my mindset has shifted because I don't think I feel that way, but I remember feeling super guilty laying next to him being drunk and he's in recovery. Like I was some Mm -hmm. jerk for partying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think I've felt that at some point also. You're right. I don't know if it was necessarily guilt or just feeling bad, but um, I usually would not drink with Jake around. Um, You know, that's kind of a personal preference. Just if we were somewhere, like I wouldn't drink kind of out of solidarity. It just made me feel better. Like, Hey, you're not the only one, but I would still go and drink like with my friends separately. And so there would be times that I would come home and I'd be drunk and I'd always kind of be aware of, Oh, is this weird? Does this make him feel (laughs) like jealous or annoyed with me or and I don't know, it never came up as an issue. I don't think that he thought about it as much as I did, but. It's interesting. Do you ever feel that way, Alex? Have you, no. I don't we've ever talked about. I don't really yeah. drink, like, I, I, so I'm not like a big, I don't I'm not a person that like really enjoys drinking anyways. And so like being sober alongside him was, I just don't drink at all because I just, I used to like casually with friends and like now that, obviously our lifestyle has changed because we don't go out. I mean, that's, you know, he doesn't drink. So we don't like go out with friends and the things that we do don't revolve around drinking. Like they might for a lot of people. Um, So I don't know. I don't ever drink. (laughs) So I'd also like to note that we still do have fun because I agree that our lifestyles also transition to less drinking, um, that it's not a boring lifestyle to alcohol or any other substances involved yeah yeah when we first met like we we met at we were at a bar you know like I kind of we that's just the stage of life we were in where I you know I went out with my friends on the weekends and things but I I feel like now I've just kind of I never really did that much even then and so when he got into recovery and it was kind of you know he stopped drinking obviously then I I just kind of stopped doing that stuff and I didn't really miss it so I don't, I don't do it very often. And now because I don't do it, then when I do, I feel really bad. So I don't, I just don't do it. (laughs) So, um, I think, so my family does drink a lot, like when we're together or have like gatherings. So around the holidays, there's always like alcohol at my family events. And I wouldn't say that it's in a way where like everyone's getting wasted, but it's definitely around. So I was a little nervous about bringing Jake to that. And like, would he feel uncomfortable being around those things? Um, And so that was something that we just talked about ahead of time. There was like, Hey, so would you prefer for people not to drink? Like I could, you know, I can ask that. (laughs) He was like, Oh my gosh, please do not do that. He was like, that (laughs) will make everything more awkward yeah. He was like, I want people to continue doing what they're doing and having fun. Like, I don't want to be the reason why people aren't are or aren't doing something. He said, you know, like 
I have to be responsible for myself and I'm fine being around people who are like casually drinking, you know, if it gets to a point where, you know, everyone's drunk and it's obnoxious at that point, I, I will choose to leave. But he, I just remember him being like, so like, Oh, what was it? Almost like so turned off by the idea of people like coddling him or making sure like, Oh, are you okay? Can we get you a pop? Like, do you want me to stop drinking? Like he was like, that will make me feel more uncomfortable than if everyone would just go about their normal business. Um, so I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And something that I, I did, I knew my mom would could possibly be one of those people who would be like all worried about Jake and would be checking in on him. Mm-hmm. And so I just ahead of time had like pulled her to the side and I was like, Hey, so Jake's fine. Like you don't need to do anything to like, you know, don't make anything weird basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that helped um, prevent any like awkwardness, just like having those conversations ahead of time, figuring out what, like, what did Jake need? What did I need? And, um, and then being willing to like talk to people about that. That's a good point. So. I do that too. Um, it's something that I've done with my family and another thing that we've done. So my family also drinks. I mean, my dad said, I mean, it's kind of always been a part of things, but one thing that we did at the beginning of all this was um, started hosting things ourselves so that basically it was our environment and that we don't really have alcohol. We changed it from like, you know, we used to do like Christmas Eve, like really late and people would hang out and drink and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of changed it to like a lunch or, um, you know, whatever it was for that thing. We also host like summer parties and stuff and we'll have, I mean, there's, there, there are drinks there, but there's also like a lot of other things to do besides drink, right? There aren't like a ton of drinking games. It's not like, it's not centered around drinking. Um, But that's something you could also do is kind of try to, try to, take on the responsibility of hosting and make it the way that you are comfortable with. Like my family has all been very supportive and it hasn't really, the drinking hasn't been an issue for my husband um, in a long time. And so he doesn't mind it, doesn't bother him. And like similar to what you were saying about Jake, it's just, he wants everyone else to have fun and that's going to be, make him feel more comfortable. So um, there's that. But I think one of the big thing, the, the highlights of kind of what we've been talking about is that so much of this, these, tactics they they're in place prior to the holidays right they're just already a part of your lives um so if you maintain that routine I think routines are really important and well especially for my husband he's very much regimented and he's a military man and so it's like he likes having his set schedule every week and he just follows through and he's said in the past you know when he's having a hard week sometimes or he's feeling depressed or he's feeling whatever sometimes just having his schedule and sticking to his schedule and knowing how his time is if he just shows up for everything in his day that he'll get through the day that's sometimes his his best like fail safe so I think just having like thinking through that with with yourself and with your loved one too like you know do they have a plan like having a plan is kind of the biggest the biggest thing I think so yeah I think that was something I always appreciated from our group 
um, we would talk about these things in the family support group and different ideas would come up. And then I was able to use that as a way when I would go home and be like, oh, hey, so we talked about X, Y, and Z. And we could get the conversation started that way. And um, because a a lot of these things, it's on, on them, like they're the ones who have to be coming up with their plan and making sure they're going to the meetings. Um, So, but it's like, how can we be supportive? And I found a way that I could be supportive and and help with that, Mm -hmm. which is be to bring it up and be like, hey, is this something you've thought about? And, you know, usually he was already thinking about it or had discussed it with a sponsor and we could talk about it that way and then get on the same page. And that just always gave me some, it just always reassured me and helped me feel better about what we were, what we were going into. Yeah, totally. Totally. So um, I think one of the, this, I mean, we've talked about that, you know, the holidays can just bring stress outside of like the normal, like they need to have a normal routine and normal coping mechanisms and ways to deal with triggers. But then there are just some things that just happen. Like there's extra stress and sometimes it can take, you know, it can, it can, it can, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It can basically be the thing that is just too, too much for them to handle or something that they haven't experienced sober that they don't know how to handle. So um, I think, we should talk about kind of um, having exit plans and like kind of what are the things in the moment that you can do to avoid like a bad situation or. Yeah. I think for us having a safe word is something that we've used many times, definitely in early recovery. Uh, You know, if you would, let's just pretend to say pineapple, I would know that he just needs to leave and there needs to be no questions. And I just say, okay, see ya. So that, you know, that kind of ties in with having an exit plan. So Mm -hmm. if I think I want to stay later, you know, for example, my sister uh, had a housewarming party. She had purchased a home and I knew it was going to be this big to do. So we both drove separately because it's about 45 minutes away from where we live and he pretty early in the evening said pineapple and I was really upset because I had to be at the party by myself it was a lot of her friends but you know I just said okay see ya and he left and I stayed and hung out and uh so it all all worked out really well and there was no questions you know you know once they say the safe word I didn't I didn't bargain oh stay for 10 minutes it's fine I won't drink anymore it was as soon as he said he was uncomfortable there was no questions asked and he just left mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah, yeah I think and at holiday parties too like at my um company holiday parties he is always so uncomfortable and I think it also comes into play like when I met him he was always the guy of the hour like he'd walk in and be like hey 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 to strangers he didn't know at parties Mm -hmm. and now he is so shy so much anxiety that he hates going to anything with me and that is just a very weird twist in our relationship and so that's something new that we have to learn Uh, and I think this year I probably won't have him come to my holiday party because I don't want to be uncomfortable either I want to enjoy myself Right. And my yeah. codependent, my codependency is always wanting to check on him. Yeah, right. I yeah. think that's a good point. Also, sometimes there have been times when things are going on where I've made the decision. I'm like, you know, I think I'll just go to this by myself. 
Um, it's different if it's something that he really wants to go to also, but if Jake didn't really care about it, um, sometimes it would just be easier to just go by myself and not have to worry about, you know, oh, is he uncomfortable? What's everyone thinking? And I could just go and have fun. And I don't mind going to things alone. Like if I have friends that I'm meeting up with, um, and actually sometimes it would sounds kind of bad, but it would be like a relief where I could be like, oh, I'm just going to go and, you know, I can drink a little bit tonight and have fun and not worry about Jake. And in those times, Jake was happy because he'd be like, well, I'm just going to stay home and play my guitar. And that's what I wanted to do. So sometimes it was finding a balance and we didn't have to go to everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do that too. I think that speaks again that we talked about having you, you kind of your expectations change like both about the holidays but just in general when you're in a relationship with someone in recovery just things look a little different sometimes and that's something that I used at the beginning of our relationship was like well we have to go to everything together like we're right. a couple we're supposed to do all this together and it's like well not really um I can go and I can have fun and if he's not interested in going why would I put him through that you know yeah (laughs) and it's just gonna negatively affect your night if they don't want to be there and they're gonna have an attitude yeah but I agree I think that was something also I'm like well all my friends always bring their significant others to everything so I should too and you kind of get caught up in the way things should look right and it's like they don't have to be that way it's like whatever works for you and we don't have to explain that to anyone else. Like as long as we're fine with it, I guess who cares about others' opinions? Yeah, I agree. What are some other things that we've, you know, kind of encountered along the way to kind of help out at parties or events? Mm. Well, mm-hmm. I know. Well, okay. So I'll go back to this, like just having you guys' phone numbers. And I think for Steve to have recovery people's phone numbers, mm-hmm. like if I feel that, you know, Steve's acting fishy you know calling you guys and saying like I think he's gonna relapse you know and you guys can talk me off the ledge but mm-hmm. I think for Steve too to have recovery people's numbers in his phone has been very very helpful because he can be like you know I'm uncomfortable I need to go call x and I'm like okay go call him mm-hmm. it's different for me because um my husband's use like he he wasn't like a, a big partier he his drug use was kind of alone and so the, the parties really aren't a trigger for him. So we go, it, I, we've never had to leave something early and we never, cause it just doesn't bother him. Like he, he feels pretty comfortable with it because it wasn't something, it wasn't, it wasn't something that he like did when he was. He using. doesn't like tie that to his yeah. using. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. His is more like sad and alone. If that makes sense. It, he wasn't yeah. like, he wasn't partying all the time and, and things like that. So he enjoys like this, especially now, like being sober and, um, and feeling better in general, like mental health wise, and obviously being sober, it's, he just enjoys being around the people that we like, you know, our friends and our family. So, which he didn't before. So when he was, when he was using, you know, he was self medicating for, you know, his, for a lot of things, but, um, a lot of times his, his, you know, anxiety and depression. And so he was like, not well mentally. And so then he was like, kind of using to try to feel better. And now he just he feels better. And so like, we went, 
we go to my mom's for Thanksgiving. We spend a whole weekend there and hang out with my family. And it's like years ago, that was really hard for him. And he, he had used in some of those situations because he just wasn't feeling great himself. But it's not that like that environment was a trigger. It's just that he wanted, he used to try to feel, to be present and like have, you know, to feel good, I guess. Um, so now that he's, you know, past that a little bit there's you know he just he gets more out of like he can engage I guess is what I'm trying to say like he can be more present and and enjoy the company of our family and friends and so that's kind of been nice it's kind of a, a different perspective but it's been um it's kind of been nice to see him progress through his recovery and like that be something that comes out of it in the end so I don't know it's just a little bit different it wasn't I don't think he gets a lot of social anxiety or um just triggered by going to the party itself it was always more like yeah dealing with his own emotions so he could be there that makes sense yeah no that makes sense and yeah. i think um when jake was in recovery i think like the parties or having alcohol around were less triggering than more than worrying about what his family or people were thinking about him because Mm -hmm. there'd been so many times you know from the time he was a teenager until he was in recovery like he'd spend a lot of holidays kind of escaping like he and his cousin or someone would kind of go off by themselves and just get drunk or high and so they were never really around the family like parts and enjoying that with everyone Um, and so then that was a change when Jake did get in recovery And he was being like what you were saying with Charlie, he was engaging more with the family and really enjoying that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there was a little bit of self-conscious of worrying about still being, um, what is, how do I want to say this? Still being looked at as the party or something like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah. Or like people would bring up stories of like, oh, remember when, you know, Jake was so drunk and this happened and. (sighs) there'd be just be some frustration where it's like, okay, can we like move on past that? Like, yeah, those were really bad memories. And now I'm in recovery and doing well. And so kind of trying to reconcile that old using version with the new, like I'm in recovery and I'm trying to be a part of it. Um, I feel like that was always more of a, a challenge than actually being around the alcohol. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, you can't blame family members and people when they are so used to seeing you in a certain way. Like, it is kind of hard to change your mindset or or not question. Like, oh, are you drinking? Are you not? Um, I don't know. It's just hard for everybody. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think drinking and partying is just so in our culture, just in general, mm-hmm. that that kind of goes to why aren't you like it can why aren't you drinking blah 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 you know it can just be like i don't know i just don't want to drink today Mm -hmm. okay so we've talked a lot so far about when our loved one is in recovery and dealing with the holidays from that standpoint um there's also i guess what happens when your loved one does relapse or if they're in active use how does that affect the holidays? Anyone have any examples you yes. want to talk about? Of course I do. So 
Um, so a a little bit of background. So my husband, Charlie has most of almost all of his relapses happen in the winter. So for the last three years, ever since this is obviously before he went to recovery when he was using all the time, but, um, since he started treatment, almost all of the relapses happen in in November and December, and then typically gets into some type of different type of treatment. And then starts the year off good and things go well. So we get back to the fall. So um, I don't know. What should I, which story should I tell first? The, like, we'll start, yeah, start at the beginning. The, okay. So the first year, I think it was the first year. I kind of get these jumbled up. So I think it was the first year after. So he went to treatment in the summer. And, um, was, I will say dabbling in recovery for a while. (laughs) And then, (laughs) um, so that winter he wasn't really on board with recovery. I mean, he knew that he needed to do something, but he wasn't really like sold on like doing it that way, you know, doing the 12 steps and having a sponsor and all that. So we were still kind of in that phase where I can still smoke weed and I can still drink and this whole thing, which lasted a few months, um, well, that winter, um, he relapsed and he'd been using like this relapse. A lot of his relapses now are like a one and done. Like he'll use and he'll feel very regretful and like he doesn't want to use. But back then he wanted to use still. So he was like using for a few weeks on and off and um, ended up forget like all of the details but um basically oh we had a contract in place which i've talked about before and he violated the contract by using while living living together so that was one of the first things that was like i just want don't want you using if we're going to be together so um like you have to be working towards recovery so anyways he um i found out he had been using and basically gave him an ultimatum, like, go to treatment and get help, like, let's fix this, or you need to leave, because if you want to continue using, because I, I just can't be about that. So he decided that he wanted to continue using, like, that was his life that he wanted. So um, he left and um, ended up being gone for, like, a few days, maybe it was just three days, but it was right around christmas maybe right after christmas before new year's and it was right that week between christmas and new year's and anyway so he was he was gone and um i mean i i thought for sure like this is just like this is just what he's gonna do with his life like this is he's saying this is what he wants he's like hanging out with like people like people he met on the internet that also use drugs it was very weird and um so anyways, it was about three days, and then I wake up one day, and I have a call from, like, the jail. So he'd gotten arrested and spent New Year's in jail. Like, I don't, he was in there a few days, detoxed in jail, was there for a while, and then was released shortly after New Year's Day, because I remember he was there a little longer because it fell over a holiday. Um, so that was one year. So then he gets out. He's you know, goes back to treatment, lives in a sober living facility, like that whole thing, does well for a while. I think the next winter was okay. I don't think anything happened the next winter. Um, and then a couple years later, I, I don't, again, I don't know exactly how far, but it's between all these, but um, this is about 
two, this is two years ago, going to be three years ago. Um, it was after, right around the holidays, either before or after. Um, I didn't know that he had relapsed, but he was just like, he just didn't come home. Like he was kind of, no, he was living and he had relapsed and he moved into a halfway house and he was living there. And um, usually in the morning he would just text me and, you know, tell me good morning or check in, like tell me about his day and like whatever. But he didn't that day. And um, I hadn't heard from him like all day. I tried to reach out to him and I wasn't getting a hold of him. And anyways, like, he ended up relapsing, getting kicked out of the halfway house and then like overdosing in his car and being arrested again and basically like went missing. Like I just didn't know like where he was or like I didn't know anything until I get a call from a detective that was basically like, hey, we found him. He's was in the hospital and now he's in, you know, the county jail downtown. So that happened and he was in jail for a while and then again like came out and recommitted to recovery yeah i think didn't he literally was that when he got out like the day before new year's or something because that was the year that all all six of us went out for new year's went to dinner yeah i'll leave it to elise (laughs) you're just like so how was jail yeah we were all kind of it was like this elephant in the room Yeah, exactly. Um, he he got out like the day before, like yeah. Eve. Like I think you literally had just picked him up, like yeah. Before, yeah. and then yeah. it led to our dinner conversation of all the guys sharing jail stories and things. And yeah, I remember us thinking like, oh, if anyone were listening, they probably were like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to piece all this together. So yes, that was that year, mm-hmm. and. That was pretty traumatic. Again, it's that week between Christmas and New Year's. That that must have been. And that one was really traumatic for me because I just didn't know where he was. Right. And I didn't know for a few days. And so, um, yeah, that one was – that was really bad. That was really bad. And then uh, last year, so, um, he was living at home and doing – he did well. Like, again, like the year prior, the thing prior when he went to jail and – last year like again like 90 percent of the year he was clean and sober this is just like these things happen within these two months when he relapses and then you know they say the the consequences they get the disease progresses and i think Mm -hmm. that along with that the consequences progress too obviously the more they get in trouble the more trouble they get in and all of that and so these things just kind of compound and feel like they get worse and worse but um Last year, again, he was doing really well. Like I kind of talked about earlier, like he had made a plan in uh, July and August with his sponsor about how he was going to, like what he was going to do to get through winter. He was on um, more like antidepressants and he was on Vivitrol, but um, he he relapsed in December after he got back from that trip in Florida when he kind of like went into like a major depression. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that he had kind of, he was also supposed to get his Vivitrol um, shot, which like prevents, you know, them feeling any opioid use. It's a lot like Suboxone. And, um, he missed that appointment on purpose, like intentionally because he wanted to use. And I, this is before I was going with him to those appointments. And so I didn't know. And he had relapsed and, um, 
I guess I've been using on and off like for a couple of weeks, like maybe, maybe twice before actually Christmas. And, um, we, we host Christmas at my house, like I mentioned, and he was like kind of using, he had been using and then didn't want to continue using, but wanted to wait until after the holiday, basically to like come clean about it and do something. He just felt like he had to get through and like survive until he could stop. It's like literally the words he used when we were talking about this this morning. And um, when he did that, he used that on Christmas before my family was going to like coming over. So we're like, we wake up and we're making food and we're like, getting everything ready. We're kind of just like working together and he goes to the bathroom and I hear like this really loud noise in there. Like it sounded like he just like fell out of the shower or something. Like, I don't know. It was very loud. So I go in there and to make sure he's okay. And like, he looks so weird and like, he can't really stand up. And I'm like, what is going um, on? Yeah. Yeah. He like, can't really stand. And he's kind of like wobbly and like his face looks weird. And I'm like, what in the world? And I was like, what what did you do what's what's going on like my mind didn't instantly go to drugs but I was like I don't know what I did I just it didn't look like he like he didn't pass out like he wasn't overdosed like passed out on the floor or something unconscious like he was conscious and but he just looked weird and I was like did you like are you gonna have a seizure like I didn't know if it was like a medical thing or like what but then it became very clear that he had used some type of drugs and so I was like, what did you use? And he wouldn't tell me. And that's when I knew. So I called the police because I didn't, I mean, I have like Narcan in my house and, (laughs) but I didn't know what he used. He refused to tell me in that moment. Like he was just being so stubborn. And like, so I was like, I don't know. I don't want to give him. I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I called an ambulance and they came and he finally told us. And so I, um, basically like the cops were in my house and the EMTs were there and they're like watching him. They were going to take him to jail and like the hospital not jail, but the hospital. And he refused to go. He was like, I don't need to go. I haven't passed out. Like, you know, and so they stayed for a few minutes to watch him to make sure like he didn't actually overdose, um, like pass out and like need something. Mm-hmm. And like 20 minutes passed and he was, it was passing like he was getting better. And, um, they, they ended up leaving. The police officer was like, we're not going to take you to jail. And I just explained. It was just a weird situation for me, too, because it's like, here's our house, like, all set up for Christmas, like, obviously cooking. And, like, oh, by the way, my husband is just, like, kind of gray in the bathroom, like, because he relapsed. And I'm, like, trying to explain to them. Like, I felt like this weird thing, like, where I had to, like, like but this isn't, like, we're normal. <laughs> Yeah, you want to, <laughs> you know, like, like I promise it's not what it's always like. We're not, it's not, we're not bad people. Like, so I, yeah. I just felt like ex- I was explaining to them, like, we're hosting, like, he's been in recovery. I didn't know he had relapsed and like this happened and it worried me. And the also a funny thing that I can look back on now is like, I, I said I had Narcan in the house, but I went to go get it and I was like threatening to give it, like, <laughs> to give it to him. And like, the, it, it like it's a little shot thing that you put in their thigh and so you like take this thing out and it it tells you like audibly the instructions and so it's playing in the background the whole time because I can't figure (laughs) out how to turn it off and it's like 
<laughs> like the entire time everyone's in our houses there's like this narcan like uh injection pen like starting off like all of the instructions over and over again which is kind of funny but <laughs> <laughs> he didn't actually get narcan that day but so it was so they leave and then i'm like so mad because i didn't know he had relapsed i thought he'd been on vivitrol like i had no idea any of this was happening and um it was just really bad. So we kind of, it was, I was really mad. And, and then at this also point, like how, scared. At this point, how far are you from your family coming over? Like three hours <gasps> or something. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So we thought like, I don't know. I was just like, what am I, what are we going to do? Like, what is going First of all, what is going on? And he's just crying. Like, it's just so like em- embarrassed and like upset and then also just like feeling like really bad you know about everything Mm -hmm. and um yeah and then I was just trying to figure out like how do we get through this so (laughs) we ended up um he called like because he's been you know at this point he was really into recovery I mean he had been doing really well. And so he has a ton of people that he knows in recovery. He called his friend that works at a a halfway house and was basically like, look, I couldn't, like I relapsed this last time and I couldn't stop using Like I couldn't come clean and I couldn't stop using. I need something. And so um, they said they could get him into a detox that day if he wanted. Um, If not, they could get him into the house. I think it was like the Monday, the next Monday or something. It was like, the next business day after the holiday. Um, so we talked about it and decided that he was going to go to the live in the halfway house for a while. And um, yeah, basically that's what he did after, after the holidays passed, he moved in there and he was there for like six months after that. Yeah. But, yeah. So how does that all affect? I mean, a lot of things have happened on the holidays. So then do you associate the holidays or like, you know, when you think of Christmas this year, like, do you just think about the relapse? Like, I mean, it was I don't know. Really how does traumatic. that affect you? <laughs> yeah, I would um, think. I feel like it would kind of take away some of yeah. the joy from. It's hard. I mean, it year. is hard because you think about. We talked about it earlier. Like, you know, you think about what everyone else is doing for the holidays and like New Year's Eve and stuff. Like, you think of that as like more of like a couple thing, and like you do cute stuff together and you go out and like you know all of that and like two new years my husband's been in jail you know so it's it's like it's hard not to associate those things Mm -hmm. um it really is but and I think that one of the challenges for me too is like you know my anxiety around the um, approaching season and then like the holidays are just kind of tied into that because some of these a lot of these things happen right around the time um it's yeah it's difficult I mean I don't know how to better answer the question other than it's just like I just try like we have things that we do I try to stay grateful for like the things that go well you know in all that time like yeah that happened last Christmas which was really awful (laughs) um but that's not like that doesn't define like the holiday for me really it's just like that's I don't know. I try to move on from it. I guess I don't have any better. Maybe after this Christmas, I can tell you kind of how it yeah. goes. But <laughs> but it's not, it's definitely something I think about and I get worried about and like I talk to my counselor about a lot. Like I don't 
I can't control it though. You know, it's really, it's really out of my control. All I can do is support him and encourage him to, to do the right things and, you know, hold him accountable. So, you know, this year, He's on Vivitrol, and I go to all of those appointments. I've done that since last year when I didn't know. So that's been an accountability piece in our relationship that's helped a ton. Um, and while he's relapsed this year, hasn't been on opioids, so it's not something that has caused the, all these, like, dramatic consequences, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is good. But, yeah, I think it's it's inevitable that I'm going to think of these things and I think time heals everything and the more time and like success that we have over these holidays, like these days specifically. And I think it will help over time, but it's hard not to associate them for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, last year, sorry, last year was the first time that Jake relapsed around a holiday and it, well, to be clear, he had relapsed a couple months before and was in, was using and I did not know it. He was hiding it and it came out like five days before Christmas. Um, and that I remember just, it was really hard because I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we handle this? He, once he came clean, he came clean to his sponsor, got a start over token, like was committed to getting back in recovery but I was just struggling with, I'm mad at you. So I don't really want to be around you right now, but it's also the holidays. So I do want to be around you and like have our traditions. And it was just like the conflicted feelings around that um, was something I struggled with. Like I had gone back and forth on, you know, maybe I should just skip his family's Christmas, you know, because if I go there, I feel like that's putting on like everything's fine and things are clearly not fine. Um, But then the more I thought about it, it was like, by not going to that, I'm kind of punishing myself or tormenting myself because it's something I really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I have a tendency to kind of linger in this area, almost tormenting myself for him after a a relapse or it's like, Oh, we have to, I don't know if like, I'm trying to make a point of like, things aren't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't really help, especially if they are getting back into recovery, you know, it's that mindset of relapse happens, you have to move on. Mm-hmm. And so I eventually decided, you know, he's now doing the right things. Like, what's the point of me like withholding, like, Oh, we're not going to this holiday with your family or doing X, Y, and Z. And so we did end up going, which I'm glad we went, but then that also was hard because I don't know. I just, I just had a lot of feelings of sadness and, yeah, you know, dealing with the betrayal and the lies, but that wasn't really something that we were sharing with everybody. And so everyone around you feels so happy and you're just like, uh, it's just so complicated. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and we ended up... I was going to say, did you guys tell your families of the relapses? Uh, we didn't tell last year's. We, there were other ones that we had told about, but last year we didn't. Um, Jake had talked to his sponsor, and his sponsor was like, you know, it's up to you if you want to tell them or not. Like, you're not current. Like, you're 
getting back on track. So I don't really feel like you have to tell people. Um, so he chose not to. And then because he wasn't telling people, I didn't really feel like it was my place to tell like his family what happened. Um, I don't know. So that was also kind of hard because I felt like we were hiding something. Yeah, we did. Not that day. We got through the day. So we ultimately decided that we were going to continue we weren't going to like just throw a wrench in everyone's plans. We'd almost finished everything. So we just like entertained and got through the day. And then, um, after that, I mean, he also already had a plan. We knew where he was going and we knew kind of what was going to happen. Um, so it didn't feel like we were in limbo. I was just like mad, (laughs) really upset. And then like, it just added like an emotional toll to the day that wasn't, necessary but um so after christmas and the holidays and when he was in the halfway house we told everyone um but i might have wanted to tell them if i had felt like hopeless and like i didn't know what to do or i needed their support but because like he had already come up with a plan and like we agreed on that and that was like i felt comfortable with that plan like that it would be the right thing then i i kind of felt kind of at ease in that regard like I didn't feel like he was going to continue I didn't think that he wanted to continue using like I knew he wanted recovery um so that helped ease that part a bit but the anger and everything was still there um and then there's kind of the waiting because I felt like there were like three days when he kind of needed to detox and then get the Vivitrol shot and then go into the the recovery house and you know, that's like, that was annoying because he was home and, you know, we had like, it, it was just a lot because it's like, you can't go to the bathroom with the door closed. Like, I don't trust you to go to the bathroom. It was just like that kind of stuff, like, like that kind of level of babysitting to get from one place to where he was kind of more stable in his recovery and in a supportive environment at the halfway house. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that went. Yeah, but well, I think we've honestly covered a lot today. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot. I told you everything about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing with us, Alex. Yeah, (laughs) Alex, just so much. Well, we hope everyone's holiday can be okay and we hope that sharing our stories can bring some light to what the holidays can look like in in different fashions Um, and hopefully at least make you feel like if you're going through something similar that you're not alone there are other people out there dealing with it too and we get how you feel yeah yeah so post on our instagram or our facebook about different things that have been successful for your relationship again as always if you have any questions or want to share your stories with us we're always happy to read them email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com and keep coming back Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at 
hello at boyproblemspod.com. <laughs>